Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are taking another stab at it, digging in to see what went wrong and how we can re-engineer our approach, modify our goal, or clarify our vision, because you deserve another go. How many home runs and hole-in-ones have you had in your life? Can you count them on one hand? Or are you right now holding back a chuckle thinking, yeah, right? Well, if you're tired of the hammer hitting everything but the nail on the head, hold tight. Let's step back for a minute. Are you worth figuring this out? Unlocking the door to possibilities? You bet you are. Sometimes all it takes is a little inspiration and an alternative perception. You got this. Not ready to release the rally cry just yet? Keep listening. Brian from beyondbemore.com starts us off with five things holding you back from living the life you deserve. At the end of the day, everyone wants to live what can be considered a good life. If you ask most people what's currently holding them back, you're likely to get a long list. Because of its length, many people would have no idea where to begin and simply give up before even trying to make the necessary changes. While change doesn't always come easily, it isn't impossible. It's important that we not hold ourselves back from the life we rightfully deserve. Recent conversations with friends, along with a post written on Sincerely Cry, have inspired Brian to create a list of things that often hold us back. Life can be frightening, but happiness and success is certainly obtainable. Let's all agree to stop getting in our own way and allowing the things we can control to prevent our dreams from becoming a reality. Some of these obstacles include fear, even when we don't realize it. A brief moment of reflection and self-examination will quickly reveal just how much of a stumbling block fear is. We're often so afraid of making mistakes or doing the wrong things that we won't do anything at all. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of missing out. These are just a few of the fears that take over our minds and cause us to stay in the same positions we're currently in. When it comes to traveling, like many, Brian said, I once had the fear of going somewhere alone. Brian said, It wasn't until I took that huge step and went abroad by myself, where I was reminded of just how independent I am and of my ability to solve conflicts or problems without always having to have the help of others. Years ago, when I decided to move from home and become a homeowner, I'll admit that I was afraid. I really had no idea of the responsibility and headache that came along with owning property, yet I was still determined to make it happen. Seven years later, things are still going well, and luckily I haven't burned down the house or gone broke trying to maintain it. Familiarity. Let's face it, everyone loves to feel safe and comfortable. Whether this is physical or emotional, we all have a comfort zone. Unfortunately, this comfort zone can prove to be our worst enemy. Too many of us have jobs we hate, 
relationships we can't seem to walk away from, and toxic environments that do more harm than good to our mental well-being. Sometimes we just need to step away, place ourselves in unfamiliar territory, and watch things work. Perhaps the biggest personal decision I've made in life was the day I decided to walk away from my place of worship and do some serious soul-searching. Talk about familiarity, said Brian. During this period of time, I took the chance to research, find the answers to many of the questions I had regarding religion and spirituality, and just take a break from the practices and beliefs I had followed since birth. Since then, I've become much more spiritually in tune and have found a sense of peace and freedom that I never knew existed. I often find myself at a loss for words when reflecting on just how good life is despite being constantly warned by those in leadership or the so-called dangers in fleeing various teachings. While this unpopular decision certainly placed me in a position of unfamiliarity and uncertainty, it also made others upset and even came with a loss of some friends. But the word blessed now has a whole new meaning. Time. It's the only thing we invest in that we can't get back. When it comes to making major decisions or taking risks in life, we're often quick to wonder if it's the right time. We also put things off with the excuse of not having enough time. Yes, time is free, but it's also priceless. Brian said, for the majority of my life, my family has owned and operated funeral homes. The business serves as a constant reminder of the value of time. I often design and read the obituaries of persons both young and old whose lives have suddenly ended in some of the most unimaginable ways. Tragedy and or sudden death can strike at any minute, revealing the true meaning of the phrase, tomorrow is not promised. Being so up close and personal with death serves as a kick and a push to never stop living and checking off those items on my bucket list one by one. When the day comes that I'm no longer here, I'm determined not to have a life story full of he planned to, he wanted to, and he could have, he would have, but instead he did. We have to stop living in the past or waiting for the future and start living in the present. Dream killers. We all know one or a few. Surprisingly, these are often your close friends and even family members. You can spend hours carefully explaining your goals and plans to them only to be quickly shot down with negativity. It's not easy to tell if they're just being hateful envious, or downright stupid. They're also always the ones questioning your reasoning for the decisions you make in life and the things you decide to do. When life gets busy and you find yourself attending event after event or take advantage of an unbelievable chance to travel, they'll be sure to ask, do you ever sit still? If you purchase a black car, they'll want to know why you didn't buy the blue one instead. That item you've had your eye on for a while and finally splurged and purchased? Yeah, they've definitely got plenty of other things they would have spent their money on. Leave these people alone. Misery loves company, so make that one invite that you're sure to turn down. Being pessimistic is one thing. Being petty is another.
self-doubt. Just like those dream killers who try to fill your head with negativity and criticism, self-doubt can be one of the biggest distractions. Brian said, I often wonder where I'd be right now in life if I had let doubt get the best of me. I also wonder where I'd be if I hadn't allowed this to happen. Way too often, we allow those voices in our heads to cause us not to trust ourselves and derail our journey. We are our biggest cheerleader, and the right attitude can bring anything we think of into being. It's important not to let past experiences, failures, or comments from others dictate the path that we'll take in our future. Stay focused and maintain positive thoughts. The next time you think you're going to fail, think of a time where you felt similar but succeeded. Find a support system that understands and reassures you and your abilities and use that as a reminder of the life you deserve. Don't be your worst critic because sometimes the only person who will be in your corner is you. While there are certainly many more things that can be added to this list, these five particular points are those that Brian personally related to the most. He said, I'm determined to follow my own suggestions and constantly work to improve as a whole. You're alive, but are you living? What are some of the things that you believe may be holding you back? My friend who is an author said to me, I should write a book about your life. Now, if you know me, you know I gave her the double-take head shake. What? Me? I was confused, you see. I've always viewed myself as on a journey, trying to get somewhere, half-baked, not done yet, not accomplished enough to be chronicled. Her take was that I've done so many different things in my life, and I thought, hmm, well, you're right about that. I have. It's not that I've been unsatisfied with any one thing in my life. But I guess if I step back and I took a look at it, I'm a risk taker. I'm also an activator. No, really, one of my five strengths on the StrengthsFinder 2.0 test is activator. So I get an idea and then I immediately want to take action. Now, before I pass this off as my advice for everyone in every situation, that way of thinking and acting definitely has its pros and cons. Because I'm quick to act, I don't always have everything figured out. That's also good and bad. If I took the time to figure out every detail, I might talk myself out of it. The good news is I'm perfectly fine with re-engineering my approach or vision if something doesn't work out. This kind of thinking takes a certain level of confidence and grit, but also an awareness that you deserve the best. Need some more proof? Kristen Hedges gives you three reasons why you deserve the best, found at mindbodygreen.com. Too often, we find ourselves in a rut. We're unhappy with our job, unhappy with our relationship, uncomfortable with where we're living. It's making us sick, stressed, and forever fatigued. It may even be killing us. And yet, we don't have the motivation to change, to dig ourselves out to truly be alive and happy and thriving. Today, I'm giving you the motivation, the motivation to quit that job, to move on from a one-sided relationship, to pack up your house, stuff it all in your car, and move to a place you've always dreamed of exploring. 
It's simple. You're worth it. Your happiness is worth everything. And here's why. Number one, because you are you. You are a completely unique life form. No one has ever been quite like you and no one ever will. Because of this, you are the one who controls your life. And no matter how hard some people may try to still the reins, you can always grab them back and steady yourself on the path you choose. It doesn't matter what anyone else says, whether it's a parent, sibling, a friend, or a significant other. Deep down, you know what you truly want to be accomplishing in your life. You know what your path is. Listen to others' advice. Follow it only if it suits your fancy. But don't be afraid to politely decline. You're beautiful. You're strong. You have a story to create that's completely and totally yours. When will you begin to write it? Number two, because you shine, others will ignite. Kristen said, while I was living at an ashram in the rolling hills of California, our swamis often reinforced the idea daily that we were all living lights. We glow. And you know what I'm talking about. There are those folks that light up a room when they enter or who radiate when they smile. Without discomfort and unhappiness fogging your mind, you can make space for the light in your chest to shine. You will be brilliant. When you're illuminated, you can feel it. You're confident, happy, full of laughter, and you simply want to share it with everyone you encounter. And to share this light, you don't even have to try. You just have to be you. Smile at strangers. Give someone a warm embrace. Be there with mind and body for your loved ones. Spread compassion with soft eyes. Be the light and you will ignite the light in others. Number three, when it comes down to it, you're all you've got. And this isn't as bleak as it sounds. It's actually a beautiful thing. It's a chance to realize your worth. To understand that everyone is born alone and everyone dies alone. There is no one in this world that matters more than you. To some, this is a hard concept to accept. Parents will always love their children unconditionally, perhaps more than they love themselves. But think back to what I mentioned earlier, said Kristen. When you shine, you will spread your light to others. It's the same in any situation. If you're devoting most of your time to the care of another, you aren't truly giving them all of yourself. You will always experience an ache, a yearning for self-love and care, for freedom, for happiness. However, if you make sure you're shining and joyous first, then you will give them twice as much love and kindness as before. If you treat yourself with love and kindness, proper nutrition, and gentle patience, you will be more likely to express these traits to those who you love and care for. So love yourself. Make sure that you're happy. Are you living someone else's story? If you are, pick up your pen, take off the cap, and begin writing your own. Share it with others and invite them warmly into your heart. But don't forget, you're a beautiful being. You are light. You are a blessing. And you are worth everything. As you know, I'm the founder of Women Connect and Senior Connect, and I conduct support groups every week. 
I also frequent another group, Celebrate Recovery. Let me reinforce my disclaimer. You don't have to be suffering from anything to attend a support group. It's my prediction that in five to 10 years, connection groups like this will be common practice because people need people. They need to encourage and be encouraged. They need to receive and share their light. I was talking to a friend after one such group. She mentioned that she feels bad sharing good news when so many are struggling with other issues, so she finds it hard to find something to say. I reminded her that sharing her good news and positivity is sharing her light and might be just what someone needs to hear. Encouragement can be as simple as smiling at someone, being willing to listen, and sharing of yourself. You can make a big impact with just a little investment. At processprogramming.com, I was inspired by You Deserve to Try. They have a podcast called Live, Perform, Compete. If you have even a 1% chance of achieving something, you owe it to yourself to give it a go. Many of us are afraid to go after a dream because of the fear of failure. But the truth is, if there is a slight possibility for you to achieve what you've been dreaming of, then you should be doing all you can to work hard and go after it. There is no better life lived than one spent doing and going after your happiness. What you will gain on this journey towards what you want will be invaluable, and the experiences irreplaceable in comparison to the regret you will face for letting go. One thing that can help with the mindset of fearing failure is focusing on your why. When you know the driving force behind what you want to achieve, every decision, every action, and every day will be lived with purpose and with a clear goal. And there's nothing more powerful than that. A why is not only important for yourself, but if you're a coach or business owner, a why is important for your organization. It's even more critical that this is communicated to your community and to your people so that everyone can move forward in one direction. When you know why you're doing what you're doing, you're giving it more power. You will be more motivated, more focused, and more keen to do it right when you understand the purpose and intention behind your daily actions. It's also so important to know that it's okay for your purpose and for your reasoning to change as you grow, go through new experiences, and choose different directions. Choosing to change doesn't mean that you have failed, but simply that you're growing into another version of yourself for another season that is equally as important. It's important to always go back to your why, to constantly revisit it, and to continuously revise and evaluate it as you go through life and move through your journey. Your personal why should be your motivation. Maybe you failed last time because you didn't understand your why or your why was someone else's why. You've heard how toxic it can be to compare yourself to others, and it's just as unproductive to strive to reach someone else's goal. It never works. If you aren't passionately invested in where you're going, you'll never get there. And by some chance, if you make it to the destination of someone else's goal, well then, you won't be happy or fulfilled. 
You are a unique soul with specific wants, needs, and desires. Take the time you deserve to explore those. I found a powerful and emotional interview from a legend, a five-time NBA champion, an 18-time All-Star, and an inductee of the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, Kobe Bryant. Bryant shares his best advice about what it's like to have the Mamba mentality. He talks about becoming who you want to be as long as you outwork everyone. I hope that this inspires you to take action in pursuing your dreams. Gone, but never forgotten. I had a purpose. I wanted to be one of the best basketball players to ever play. And anything else that was outside of that lane, I didn't have time for. There's a quote from uh, one of my English teachers, a little Marion, named uh, uh, Mr. Fisk. He had a great quote that said, rest at the end, not in the middle. And that's something I always live by. You know, I'm not going to rest. I'm going to keep on pushing now. There are a lot of answers that I don't have, even questions that I don't have. But I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going, and I'll figure these things out as we go. Right? And you just continue to build that way. So that, I try to live by that all the time. At, at what age did that goal become crystal clear? That I, made, I made that deal with myself at 13 years old. At 13 years 13 old? 13 years old. That's you the deal I made. crystal clear about it? Crystal clear. And where did inspiration come from? Um, the love of the game. The love of the game. The challenge. Like, I, I would watch Magic play. I'd watch Michael play. And I would see them do these unbelievable things. And I'd say, you know, can I get to that level? I don't know, but let's find out. Let's find out. And so that curiosity to see where I could push this thing led me down that path, I think. I had a summer where I played basketball when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And here I come playing and I don't score one point the entire summer. Not a free throw, not a nothing, not a lucky shot, not a breakaway layup, zero points. And I remember crying about it and being upset about it. And my father just gave me a hug and said, listen, whether you score zero or score 60, I'm going to love you no matter what. Wow. Now that is the most important thing that you can say to a child. Because from wow. there, I was like, okay, it gives me all the confidence in the world to fail. I have the security there. But to hell with that, I'm scoring 60. And from there, I just went to work. And I just wow. I stayed with it. I kept practicing, kept practicing, kept practicing. I think that's when the idea of understanding a long-term view became important. Because I wasn't going to catch these kids in a week. I wasn't going to catch them in a year. Right, so that's when I sat down and said, okay, this is going to take some thought. All right, what do I want to work on first? All right, shooting. All right, let's knock this out. Let's focus on this. Half a year, six months, do nothing but shoot. All right, after that, all right, creating your own shot. And you focus. So you start, I started creating a menu of things. Mm. When I came back the next summer, I was a little bit better. I scored. Yeah, you know, it wasn't much, right. but I scored. And this know? is 12, 13. 12, 13. And then 14 came around, back half of 13, 14 uh, years old. And then I was just killing everyone. And it happened in two years. And I wasn't expecting it to happen in two years, but it did because what I had to do was work on the basics and the fundamentals. Well, they relied on their athleticism mm. and their natural ability. And because I stick to the fundamentals, it just caught up to them. And then my body, you know, my knees stopped hurting. I grew into my frame and then it was game over. Wow. <laughs> were you always competitive from the day you were born? You were super competitive? Uh, competitive with things that I, I participate in. So, I, like, I'll put it to you this way. So, like, you know, basketball for me was 
the most important thing. So everything I saw, whether it was TV shows, whether it was books I read, people I talked to, everything was done to try to learn how to become a better basketball player. Everything, everything. And so when you have that point of view, then literally the world becomes your library to help you to become better at your craft. So at 13 years old, I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a kill list. And so, you know, they used to do these rankings, it was Street and Smith basketball rankings. And I was nowhere to be found, because I was like 6'4", scrawny, like 160 pounds soaking wet. So I was like 57 on the list. And so I would look at 56, 55, all the way up to number one, who these players are, what club teams they played for. So when we go on an AAU travel circuit, I, I gotta hunt them down. Right? And so that became my mission in high school, is to check off every other person, all those 56 other names, hunt them down and knock them down. So when we played at 13, I would size you up and see what your strengths and weaknesses are. How do you approach the game? Are you silly about it? Are you goofy about it? Are you good at it just because you're bigger and stronger than everybody else? Right? Or is there actually thought and skill that you put into it? Right? And when I'd play, I'd play to my weaknesses. I was working on the things during those games that I was weak at. Left hand, pull up jump shot, uh, post game. Right? So I have a strategy. What was really your work ethic like and for how long did you stay disciplined? Um, well, I mean, I mean, every day. I mean, since you know, 20 years. I mean, it was an everyday process in trying to figure out strengths and weaknesses. For example, Jumping ability. Now, my vertical was a 40. It wasn't a 46 or a 40, mm -hmm. 45. Uh, my hands are big, but they're not massive. Right? So you got to figure out ways to strengthen them so your hands are strong enough to be able to palm a ball and do the things that you need to do. Uh, quickness. I was quick, but not insanely quick. I was fast, but not ridiculously fast. Right? So I had to rely on skill a lot more. I had to rely on angles a lot more. I had to study the game a lot more. And, uh, but I enjoyed it though. So like from the time I was, I can remember when I started watching the game, I studied the game mm. and it just never changed. What does losing feel like to you? Uh, it's exciting. Why is it exciting? Um, because it means you have different um, ways to get better. There's certain things that you can figure out that you can take advantage of, right? Certain weaknesses that were exposed mm. um, that you need to shore up. Right, so it was exciting. I mean, it, it sucks to lose. Right. But the hardest thing is to face that stuff. Um, that's a really, really tough challenge. How did you get mentally and emotionally so strong where it doesn't bother you? Well, you know, it's, you gotta look at the reality of the situation. You know, like for me, it's not, you know, you, you kinda gotta get over yourself, right? And then after that, it's okay, well, why did those air balls happen? Got it. I didn't have the legs. So you look at the shot, every shot was online. Every shot was online, but every shot was short. Right? I gotta get stronger. Uh, I gotta train differently. The weight training program that I'm doing, I gotta tailor it for an 82 game season mm. so that when the playoffs come around, my legs are stronger and that ball gets there. So I look at it with rationale and say, okay, well, the reason why I shot air balls is because my legs aren't there. I got well, next year they'll be there have to do the hard stuff and watch that game and study that game to not make those mistakes over and over again just because you weren't brave enough to face it. So you gotta deal with face it. it. Gotta deal with it. Face it, learn from it.
you don't want to have that feeling again, do you? Right? So you got to really study it, face it. And uh, not to say you'll win the next time you face it, but at least you'll, you'll give yourself a better, yeah. a better chance. Yeah. It's an obsessiveness that comes along with it. You want things to be as perfect as they can be. Understanding that nothing is ever perfect. But the challenge is try to get them as perfect as they can be. Mm -hmm. And what can you do? It's in your control. So control what you can. You have this mindset, but how did you develop that? I don't, I don't know if that's what you call the mama mindset, but how did you develop that? And well, when did it start? It started in, in middle school and high school. Because a lot of the kids that I was playing against were inner city kids. Yeah. And so you're looking at me as if, okay, this kid's soft. They felt like they could try to be physical or try to intimidate me and do all this other stuff, which they couldn't, right? But now I'm saying, okay, well, you're trying to attack me. How am I going to attack you? How can I mentally figure out ways to break, break you down? How can I show you that, no, I have the edge, right? And so that's when it first started for me, is figuring out how to get the upper hand on an opponent that way. And what would you do to mentally break people down then? One of the things I would do is well, everybody would be at the cafeteria work, you know, eating and doing all sort of stuff. I'd just go back to the gym. And so that was my way of, sh of showing them, yeah, yeah, I may be from the suburbs, but you're not going to outwork me. Wow. Like, I see a lot of players take vacations with other players that are close friends. And we'll just take vacations just to take vacations or just hang out just to hang out. Like, I, I, I'm not, I never did that. Why, why, not, why, why, why didn't you do that? Well, because when I retire, I didn't want to have to say, I wish I would have done more. I don't want that. I play games with the flu. I play games with 102 degree fever, man. We had a game against Toronto in 2000, um, and Vince was tearing the league up. Um, my back was jacked, jacked. So I would be in the layup line like, okay, there's a lot of days where you know you can rest and recover. Today ain't one of them. Your back can bother you any other day. That ain't bothering me today. Wow. We going he gonna have to see oh, me man. today. You're playing against the Golden State Warriors. Score is 107-109. You guys are close to getting into the playoffs. You know exactly what happens in the game. You go up, you're about to take your shot, and then all of a sudden, boom, yeah. Achilles happens. Right? Friend of mine, Nima, he is here just to listen to you. He played ball. And he told me, he says, Patrick, I don't think you understand. He says, when I tore my Achilles in high school, <laughs> he says, four friends of mine dragged me to my hospital. I was crying from their straight to the hospital. He says, I have no clue how the hell this guy did it. He went and hit the free throws, and then you walked off the stage. How the hell do you tolerate that kind of pain? Uh, you know, I, I use this, I, I tell this example, and I think this is the best way to explain it. Um, you know, you have a, a hamstring injury, you pull your hamstring really, really badly, you can barely walk, right, let alone play anything. You're at home, all of a sudden a, a fire breaks out in the home. Right? Your kids are upstairs, you know, wife is wherever she may be, you know, going down. I'm willing to bet that you're going to forget about your hamstring, you're going to sprint upstairs, you're going to grab your kids, you'll make sure your wife's good, you're getting out of that house. And the reason is because the lives of your family are more important than the injury of your hamstring. And so when the game is more important than the injury itself, you don't feel that injury. Mm. Not at that time.
went in the trainer's room, my kids are in there. And, you know, they're looking at you and stuff. And I'm looking at them. And I'm like, you know, it's all right. Dad's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. As a parent, you got to set the example. You got to set the example. This, this is another obstacle. This obstacle cannot define me. It's not going to cripple me. It's not going to be responsible for me stepping away for the game that I love. I'm going to step away on my own terms. And that's when the decision was made that, you know what, I'm doing it. You got to lead by example. As parents, you got to lead by example. If you want your kids to do whatever it is they want to accomplish in life, you have to show them. Mm. You got to show them. The definition of greatness is to inspire the people next to you. I think that's what greatness is or should be. It's not something that's, that, that lives and dies with one person. Mm. It's how can you inspire a person to then in turn inspire another person that yeah. then inspires another person. And that's how you create something that I think lasts forever. Yeah. And uh, I think that's our challenge as people, is to, um, is to figure out how our story can impact others and mm -hmm. motivate them in a way to create their own greatness. Man, I love Kobe Bryant's determination and laser focus. A beautiful soul gone too soon from this world. I wanted to leave you with a story from Lizzie. When you find your gift and share your light, it's important to understand the need for balance. Give and receive are equally as important. Lizzie Duell believes we all deserve to receive what we need, and it's not selfish, found at tinybuddha.com. Alexander McCall Smith said, we think that we have to learn how to give, but we forget about accepting things, which can be much harder than giving. Accepting another person's gift is allowing him or her to express their feelings for you. We all know the importance of giving. In fact, it feels rather nice to give to others. We have all experienced that warm glow in the stomach when we do something thoughtful for another person or exchange kind words. To make someone smile is one of the best feelings in the world. But sometimes we do get so caught up in the giving that we forget to receive. And in doing so, we give too much. Lizzie said, I have always been a people pleaser. My parents were divorced when I was five years old. It was a complicated situation, one that I didn't fully understand as a child. My sister and I grew up with our grandparents having contact with our dad during holidays, while the contact with our mom dwindled down to nothing. I'd realized until recently that my five-year-old self felt completely abandoned by my parents. We never talked about the situation as a family. Feelings were not something you shared, so they stayed bottled up. Lizzie said, I grew up with the belief deep down that my parents left me because I wasn't good enough. As a consequence, I tried my best to be as agreeable as I could with everyone around me. This meant having no opinion, going along with what others wanted all the time, not communicating my needs, and trying my best not to upset anyone. Then maybe I would be good enough to love. This was pretty exhausting. I developed OCD for a period of time, frequently staying in the bathroom for hours performing hand-washing rituals until my hands were raw and brushing my teeth until my gums bled. 
If I perform these rituals, bad things wouldn't happen anymore. My granddad, who developed terminal cancer, eventually gave up his battle to the disease after a long period of suffering, and the ritual stopped. Instead, I sunk deeper in depression. As a result of my negative thinking patterns and my deeply held beliefs, I fell into a series of damaging relationships. Just wanting to be loved by them, by anyone, I desperately tried to make things work with guys who were either not right for me or more often than not emotionally unavailable. I was replicating the relationships that I had known from my childhood. Relationships are equal give and take, not the constant giving that I had developed in the hope of making people love me back. Instead, ironically, this pushed people away. The thing was, I was desperately looking for love when deep down I didn't like, let alone love myself. Secretly, I believed I didn't deserve to be loved. I wasn't good enough for anyone. What could I have to offer? I would sleep with men early in a relationship, figuring that giving my body was the only thing that I could offer. It all came to a head when yet another relationship failed. Each time, the other person ended the relationship, which dealt a blow to my already fragile sense of self-esteem. Then one day, I had serious thoughts of ending my life. It was then that I knew it was time for a change. Reaching out and receiving the help I needed was the best decision of my life, said Lizzie. I spoke with my GP who referred me to a cognitive behavioral therapy counselor. This time, I was completely honest about what I was feeling. I told them about my suicidal thoughts, about not wanting to be here anymore, so I wouldn't feel the constant pain. It felt like a weight had been lifted. I was able to tell them everything. I've had counseling before, but it hadn't been right for me. Like most things, you need to keep trying until you find what speaks to you. Here are a few things I've learned through therapy. Show yourself that you're worth caring for by starting to care for yourself. A tendency of people pleasers is to give relentlessly without the thought of themselves. Take time for yourself, pamper yourself, do something kind each day. Allow others to help you when it's needed and don't be scared to reach out. You can start with small things like asking a friend to pick up a parcel for you when they're passing by a shop. Surround yourself with people who make you feel good about yourself. I'm so lucky to have an incredibly supportive and loving family who listens to me and helps me when times are tough. Spend as much time as possible with people who reinforce your self-worth, not bring you down. Say no occasionally. It's important to assess what your needs and wants are and to communicate these with people. Saying no sometimes doesn't make you selfish. It means that you're taking care of yourself and you will attract more respect from others as a result. Keep a positive journal. Note anything that happens that makes you feel good. Positive feedback from a boss, a kind word from your friend, a compliment from a stranger. And remember to accept these, not diminish them. Think about what you want from your life. Think about what makes you tick and therefore a more contented person able to receive from others. Don't be scared to have an opinion. Occasionally, we really don't mind either way. But if you do genuinely have an opinion on something, 
Don't be scared to speak up. People want to know the real you, not someone you think they want. Lizzie said, I'm working through this journey of self-discovery and no doubt always will be. I'm learning to accept the good things that people do for me and the kind words they say. I realize that you don't have to be perfect for people to love you. You don't have to constantly give for people to want to spend time with you. I am enough. For the first time in my life, I'm devoting the time and attention I normally would reserve solely for other people to myself. You don't want to forget about others, but you also don't want to forget about yourself. In doing so, I'm building up my sense of self-worth and becoming more able to accept love from others. And just maybe, I'm also letting the other person feel a warm glow in their stomach too. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, don't give up too soon. Make this attempt personal, striving for your unique why. As you give, be open to receiving for a healthy balance because you deserve another go. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone's through until the past was clear.